0: Welcome to the We Hack Purple podcast, where each month we meet a new person from the information security industry to teach us something new. This season is sponsored by Bright Security. They make a dynamic scanner that will rock your world. My name is Tanya Jenka, and I am your host. With me today is Yael Nagler. Yael, want to tell us a little bit about you?
1: Sure. Thanks, Tanya. This is very fun to be here and to have this conversation. So about me, I'm the founder of Yaz Partners. Uh, We work with CISOs and enterprises to mature their office of the CISO. Basically, we have frameworks and templates for all of the areas of like business that don't fit naturally in. I uh, should keep going and tell you about me. Is that the point? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, please. Oh, so I got into security really very differently. Actually, I got into security by starting in the business. And I had a series of interesting jobs that were probably more interesting because of the timing and the situation when I was there. One of my earliest jobs was at Priceline, but I was at Priceline during the first dot com era, and I was there pre-IPO, and I was there to help design the hotel product. And so that was my first IPO experience, which turns out 25 years plus later, that's very different now. And at some point after Priceline, I was at Arthur Anderson, which for those in the U.S. know was really important during the Enron and the first Sarbanes-Oxley focus on like corporate collapses and being on the inside of a company that was experiencing crisis was really interesting. But it wasn't my last crisis because I then went to J.P. Morgan. Well, really, I started at Bear Stearns and then the financial collapse happened and then we were acquired by J.P. Morgan. And then I was there through three more integrations of Washington Mutual and a variety of other companies. But while I was there, I had responsibility for non-IT expense, billions of dollars of how the company spends their money. We were there to manage the process. But again, we were integrating companies, companies in crisis, overlapping processes, and thinking about, hey, if we're going to integrate them, how can we do it for the future? Because we had that chance. Um, after that, I then moved to BlackRock, which is a large asset management company. And I was there for a decade um, I was there right before a gigantic integration. When I was there, they had $3 trillion in assets and management eventually became $9 trillion when I left. And now I think it's like 12 trillion. I'm embarrassed. I'm sure I should know the exact number from 10,000 employees to 15,000 employees from no India presence. This was like before companies have India offices to 15% of all employees were in India. And I helped lead that first opening. And we said, we can't just step into it. We have to do it. Like it's going to work. And that was a different, anyway, at BlackRock, I was focused on building and scaling functions. I did it across vendor management. I did it across expense management and financial analysis and planning. And that's how I got to information security, actually. that My next role there was in cybersecurity. Um, you know, I was at the company for 10 years. I was in the Women's Leadership Forum, like top 30 women of the company. But I was asked to join information security not because there was anything wrong, but it was the company had hired their first chief information security officer. And they actually didn't want to get it wrong. BlackRock viewed themselves as a risk management company. And they said, you know, we have, we've hired this new role, this new function. We want to make sure that Black the company does security and that security understands the company, which I just thought was really novel. And like, that makes a ton of sense. Um, It was cybersecurity at the time, banks, were defending against nation states. Large enterprises were really thinking about their infrastructure very differently because we were very on-prem at the time. Um, and regulators were starting to think about fraud and policies. And then we were developing controls and frameworks and we had to be compliant. So I got to security in a very interesting, circuitous way. But what I found through all of those unique experiences, because you know I'm now at yeah, partner Partners, my own company, where we build the office of the CISO. What I found is that my expertise, very different from yours or a more traditional, and you're not even traditional in security, um, is that I learned the management operating system of corporations. And that was what I hack. I understand how to get things done in corporate America. And I do that through situational awareness. I learned the behaviors of influence and how to drive change in an effective way. And I can apply that for CISOs. So through Framework sets, there's a lot of consistency. And that became my energy. Um,
0: I guess I'll That's awesome. That's my whole story. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is good, though. I actually haven't ever heard her whole story. So that's part of why I wanted to invite her on. Okay. Yeah. So before we were recording, you were telling me 10 Steps to Win at Corporate. Yeah. Is there a chance that you would share that with the audience? So she kind of has this way where you can just conquer the world and she broke it down into 10 steps.
1: Yeah. So here's the thing. I feel like I understand how corporate America works. I don't know all of the different types of organizations. I'm not an expert in nonprofits. I don't know very much about startups and you know early stage companies, but I do know how enterprises work. And what I have found is by being in all of these different functions. Using my situational awareness and being mindful of the operating system of this environment that I'm in, that it kind of follows the same formula. And if I could share this with every person, it doesn't matter where you are in your career, if you are starting a job at a new company, these are your steps. Do your job well. That's it. Start with just doing your job well. When you first get at a company, don't be like, I'm gonna figure out how to solve things and I'm gonna like make things, that nope, nope, that's not why you were hired you were hired to do your job well, do your job well. Once you feel like you're doing your job well, the next step on the ladder is communicate clearly. Communicate clearly. I'm working on this. I'm observing these challenges. We need to do this next. It would be helpful if you could please. On Thursday, I will. By next Saturday, last week, I said I would. Communicate clearly. Do okay. your job well and communicate clearly. Your first two steps when you arrive at a new place are to just bring your best self. There is nobody else who is preventing you from doing your job. You have two jobs. Mm-hmm. Do your job well and communicate clearly. Step three, be easy to work with. Whoa, so important. You need to be responsive and assume positive intent. You need to be easy to work with because if you're not easy to work with, no one wants to work with you. That's just a fact. After you're easy to work with, then take feedback. Taking feedback is an active experience. You're either asking for the feedback, you're receiving and appreciating and processing, or you are adjusting and correcting because of the feedback. Take feedback well, and then add value. You won't get feedback if you're not easy to work with. So you've got to do your job well. Focus on yourself, communicate clearly. Third step, be easy to work with. Now we're talking about people around you. You're widening your aperture. Be easy to work with. Take feedback, people around you. People are like assessing you because of how you take your feedback. And then add value. Hey, I noticed you were doing this. I used to do that and I found this, help me. Whoa, thanks. You just added value to me. We're focusing on people around us. Next, five steps, six steps, share feedback. Oh, now you can share feedback. What's amazing is that you got to the company and you did your job well. No one wants to hear. So I recommend that you do this. You just jumped ahead. You haven't done your job well. You didn't communicate clearly. You weren't easy to work with. You didn't take feedback. You didn't add value, then share feedback. By the way, you don't share feedback before you add value. I don't care when you receive your feedback. You add value before you share feedback. After you share feedback, the whatever, eight, nine, I don't have numbers. The next step is that you thread the needle. You connect the dots across different parts of the organization, very important. You're connecting to the environment, you're becoming part of the company, not just the people around you. First it was yourself, then the people around you, connecting with your, now you're in your environment. So do your job well, communicate clearly, be easy to work with, take feedback, add value, share feedback, thread the needle, then belong. Demonstrate that you belong give back, you're part of the environment, you're part of the company, participate in the different ally organizations, you know, help with campus recruiting, demonstrate that you belong because you are being long for the job or at least appear to be because that's what executives want to know that you're here for the long run. Then and only then can you challenge the status quo. That is number nine. You should never say, so why do we do it this way? Until you have already, shall I repeat, do your job well, communicate clearly, be easy to work with, take feedback, add value, share feedback, thread the needle, belong. You have to belong before you challenge the status quo, only if you want them to listen. You can challenge it whenever you want, but if you actually want them to listen, you have to first belong before you challenge the status quo. My last step, and I know this was long, was then you can challenge yourself. You know. I guess I could be the CISO. Maybe I should take that job as CO. Oh, well, they've offered it to me. I don't really know how to do it, but all those other things are in place. So then you should challenge yourself because you've got everything else you need behind you. You have permission to reach for it. Those are my 10 steps.
0: Oh my gosh. That is, I feel like a lot of people could do really well with that lesson, especially the part of you have to do these five things before you start giving feedback randomly to people, especially if they did not ask for it. Like it's one thing if someone says, Hey, I I wrote this document. Can you check my grammar or whatever? That's you adding value because they've asked you to to help them edit something or whatever. Right. Versus like going to, especially to another team and saying, Hey, I'm seeing this, like, I would really like it if you did that. Like trying to tell people suggestions of how they could do their job better. Demonstrating your own value first and doing all those other things seems really, really important.
1: Right? Yeah. It doesn't even matter what level you're at. This is anytime you enter a new company or a new environment. Mm-hmm. Like you would tell any kid in school as well. Like just focus on. It's just anytime you walk work into a new company, whatever level you're at, you have to do your job well. That's it. And then you. Move yeah. Out.
0: Oh my gosh. There mm-hmm. are so many people that are still struggling with number one. <laughs> well, that I can't help with. <laughs> I can't help with that one
1: call me when you're like in three or
0: four <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay so I
0: have more questions yeah. so we were talking about CISOs and so first of all can you tell us the type of CISOs you know yeah and then how to talk so CISOs will listen and how to listen so CISOs will talk so we were talking about so, this a bit
1: yeah yeah um So I I was complaining when we were speaking earlier that these days what's very trendy that you see all of the social media all these influencers talking about is how to like talk to boards and cybersecurity and talk to boards. And I was um, pointing out that it took me a while to realize that I had to find speakers who had experiences similar to the challenges I was faced with and listen to those people speak about talking to the boards. And so I feel like the same is true as I'm about to like share how to speak with CISOs and how to listen to CISOs. It's important to know that I don't speak for all, like my context is large enterprise and CISOs who manage a team and who have some leadership role. They don't report to the CEO. They might, but that is not common in a large enterprise. That's much more common in a smaller organization. So that's my context. So when I say that as my context, I think it's helpful to recognize what the CISOs are being asked to do. And most importantly, you know, they have two roles. I often describe them as being in the middle of an hourglass. And so when they're in the middle of the hourglass, they are the lowest person at the
0: executive table.
1: They're at the executive table, but they're at the bottom, like-
0: they're they there. might be sitting at the back of the room, not actually at the table. Yeah, like, but there's no there. room, John.
1: Yeah, yeah. Maybe they had to be invited. Doesn't matter. If they're there. Right. But they're also, because they're in the middle, at the top of the heap when we're thinking about our design principles and our technology direction and our like product maturity. And so they have this very weird balance. And so, do, We should know that when we're approaching those CISOs. And then I think the principles are really important to understand like any executive, they're busy and they're distracted. They're distracted, accept it. Don't try and fix it. Don't complain about it. They're an executive, they're busy and they're distracted. So then I would say, give it to them how they're going to need it. Because they're busy and because they're distracted, give it to them how they're going to need it. So if you're suggesting that we should, change our release cycle. How are they going to go have to convince the next person about that? Give it to them in that format. Is it a slide? Is it a couple of bullets? Is it some juridic? What is it that they give it to them the way that they need it? And then my second thought would be to align it to company objectives. If you're unsure that they're going to know how to use whatever you're giving it to them, connect it back to the company's goals. So I was listening to the CEO's talk last month at the all-company meeting, and he said, we have these five initiatives. And I was thinking that this one would really demonstrate how we are helping with initiative number three. So my second message to you is align it to the company objective. Give it to them how they need it. Align it to the company objective. And then my third would be to build trust by demonstrating understanding. How do you demonstrate understanding? Listen closely, right? Um recognize where influence circles are figure out what the third point is they off people often speak one this thing and then that thing and so you mean this and that demonstrates that I when mean, you're the yes and type and they have that in like you know your your theater experience is singing my theater experience is stand-up comedy right have,
0: of course yes and yes, and
1: yes the next and thing. i was going to you were saying this and this And therefore, and make those assumptions. um, And the final thing that I would say is then listen, listen. And so how do you listen to them? By asking a question. And then how do you listen? You listen by furthering their conversation. So how would we do that? What would happen if we... What would it take to? You're furthering the dialogue for them. And that is the best way to get a CISO to engage with you, to come talk to you, to come share with you. You've given them the information the way that they need it to deliver. It's tied to company objectives. You've built trust because you've demonstrated understanding. And then you're yes-anding them, right? And you're listening and furthering their conversation. And now you can speak to CISOs, understanding their context. And like, it's a lot of empathy because it's a tough Tough job. You have a tough job. We all have tough jobs and we're all focused on the same mission. Sometimes we just need to remind ourselves of that shared mission. That's my oh, that's so seminar weird. on that.
0: I feel like CISOs have a really hard job because I used to have a boss at Microsoft who joked that he was a shit umbrella And that he would block all of the rain from getting on everyone below him and that he would protect us. And I feel like the CISO has to do that, but also then has to protect the entire organization as well. Like There's a lot riding on those shoulders.
1: I think that it's unfair for the CISO to think that it's their job entirely. Or Mm -hmm. for the company to make it their job. It's our job however to communicate clearly to be credible trusted to deliver value to think about something that wasn't previously thought about and I think we also need to define our role in that ecosystem because if we feel like it's a tough job every job is tough we're not supported in some other right way so i a little bit feel challenged by that like that line you know it's like, like it. one of my trigger points um, okay it's, hot. it's a lot of work. I would say it's a lot of work. The CISO's job is a lot of yeah. work.
0: Um, okay, well, anyway. while we're on this topic, yeah. like to elaborate on that, what are CISOs being asked?
1: <sighs> CISOs are being asked questions that aren't the actual question. When okay. somebody asks the CISO, what's our risk? You have to pause a minute and be like, who just asked me that question and why would they ask me that question and what do they want to hear? That was the CFO. Oh, different than the lawyer, right? Who's asking yeah. me, what is our risk? And then why would they be asking me that question? Stock dip. We just sold a company. We just acquired a company, the economy. Like why would they be asking or losses or how much money we need to have on hand um, or our investments? Cause I just asked for like, you know, another big, Why would they be asking that question? Then what do they want to hear? They want to hear a quantified amount of risk. They want to hear if it's better or worse. They want to hear what we're doing about it. What do they want to hear? So I would say that what they're being asked isn't always the question. And we are getting sloppy by moving too quickly and presuming, especially as CISOs are being asked by more Members of the corporation of the management operating system, we need to slow down and listen to the question because what we're being asked isn't usually what the what we are inclined to answer. Um, so that's my like very long winded question uh, answer. And then what I would say specifically, what they're being asked is they're being asked to consider corporate risk. So specifically they're being asked to consider corporate risk. They're being asked to consider corporate technology direction. They're being asked to consider future um, market opportunity. And I think that we're, that is a big shift. Again, my context is large enterprise public company, like in a different stage. But CISOs are being asked questions to create answers around company direction. And I think that that's happening. That that's is a very lot. Cool.
0: That that it is cool, but it also feels like again a lot to have on one person's shoulders. Like you're going to be an expert in cybersecurity. Not that it's their responsibility, but just like also not only to p- try to organize all of the cybersecurity safety types of measures and defenses, but on top of that, planning risk around the corporation.
1: Yeah. And I think that it's because their scope is changing. I think they're losing other parts of their role because they're just naturally falling into the technology group. Like I think that we're seeing engineers who are just designing and engineering with security. So we no longer have to own such a big, function or a team, because if we're sitting in the business, like it still exists, it's a big function, it's a big team, but it's embedded, right? In engineering. Um, we, and so therefore we have space, same with SOC activities, frankly, right? And CERT activities, like there's fusion centers now, and we can spin that out of security differently because falling into the business. And so I think that our job continues to just go broad and we continue to shift as secure, like, it's not going to be a cybersecurity function in the future, because it's just going to be part of every function.
0: Okay, interesting. I feel like um, a really, really, really big enterprise is a lot different than startups, a lot different than small or (laughs) medium-sized businesses. And so I guess a lot, there's more expectations on what the CISO does, and kind of um, also the position that they hold within the organization as well.
1: So that's kind of interesting, actually. Um, and maybe this we could like this could be my like last like you know, spiel on it, is I don't think that the executive team gives that power to the CISO and says we value you and we need you. I think what we're seeing is that there's room and there's space in the conversations for that. And we just need to provide to our CISOs the content the data, the results for them to have a response in those and to the confidence to go deliver it. So I'm not sure that it's being, and I think sometimes in mid-sized companies, actually there's a, there's more influence potentially because the room is smaller so they can step into it. Um, yeah. But it's kind of an interesting question. Like, I don't know where there is more influence or not. I, I I can see it differently.
0: Oh, I find that right? very interesting. Yeah, kind
1: of like. It's always shifting and if we like keep operating like with what we thought the CISO was when we first met our first CISO, I'm like that's changed.
0: Yes, I, I agree things have definitely changed. Even just I haven't been in security I think as long as you and I've already seen it change quite a bit just in the past 5 years especially like the focus and the importance and the amount of legitimacy that the cybersecurity or information security team has. In an organization compared to before, I feel like the priority the priority is is bigger and it's more visible now than ever before.
1: So people are willing to listen and be taught, but we have this obligation to then explain to them in their language, in their context, every time, whoever that it is, right? Like I I think that that's interesting because that you're closer to engineering and how that has changed. But when you say that that's also elevated in prominence and like impact, because every company now is a technology company everyone has an app and a, some kind of integration.
0: It is true. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we are about out of time and I wow. have a question that I usually ask. So I usually ask, is there anything that you want to promote, but we already talked about this and Yaël does not have something she wants to promote. So instead, Yaël, I want to ask you, how does it feel when we help people when you do your job oh. well, and you really help someone?
1: I mean, so what's interesting is that we, we talked about this just before, because I was talking about my son, how my like nine-year-old son was explaining to my 11-year-old daughter, the reason she should help other kids was really for her, because it feels good for her. And And then you and I were also talking about what we get, and you like to help big groups on stage in conferences, and I much prefer the smaller, intimate, like, but I think we share the same feeling. We get that same reward from helping and seeing the ripple effects of it. Um, And I'm all in on the ripple effects of helping others and like normalizing security, making it mainstream, Seeing more people with varied experiences playing different roles, I feel like the poster child for how you don't need to know what you would think you need to know in order to be useful from a security perspective. And I'm all in on like leaning into whatever your thing is that makes you sparkle and bringing that to security because it just matters like a ton. So I am all in on helping others and sharing and giving back.
0: Thank you so much, Yael, for being on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye, everyone. And with that, I am Tanya Janko, the host of the We Hack Purple podcast. This episode was sponsored by Bright Security. And our guest was Yael Nagler from Yaz Partners. Please check her out. See you next time.